Disciples Church is a church plant in Canyon, Texas. We are a church without walls that is focused on evangelism and discipleship. We believe that we are saved by Jesus, changed by Jesus, and are on mission with Jesus. Join us as we make disciples verse by verse. Well, please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 34. The kingdom of God is like this, he said. A man scatters seed on the ground, he sleeps and he rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, and then the full grain on the head. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends forth the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable can we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, that when sown upon the soil is the smallest of all seeds on the ground. And when sown, it comes up and grows taller than all the garden plants and produces large branches, so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. He was speaking the word to them with many parables like these as they were able to understand. He did not speak to them without a parable. Privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. This is God's word. Well, yesterday I came across an article titled, A Canadian Man Born Blind Sees, the first, sees for the First Time at Age 68 After He Falls or After He Fell Down the Stairs. The article was written by Ashley Coleman on behalf of the Daily Mail in the UK. In the article, Ashley tells the story of the 68-year-old Canadian Pierre Paul Thomas, who was born blind, or so they thought. Uh, and he would continue to be blind if he hadn't fallen down the stairs in 2011. The fall sent Pierre Paul to the hospital for fractures around his eye sockets. And when, the treating, and when treating his injuries, um, a surgeon discovered that his blindness was curable. Thomas was born with congenital nystagmus, a condition that made his eyes move side to side involuntarily, and that damaged the optic nerves and cataracts on top of that. And so he was born, and he, when he was born he could see, but quickly that nystagmus caused him to be blind. Before the surgery, the, the plastic surgeon told Pierre Paul that they would not only be able to fix his fractured orbital sockets, but they would also be able to fix his vision. Thomas was shocked. Um, after, uh, after the surgery, Pierre um, Paul was immediately able to see. And after leaving the hospital, Pierre Paul went to visit his sister. And, and vi when, while visiting her for the first time, he saw flowers, and he saw trees, and he said it was beautiful. Pierre Paul said, I find everything beautiful. Faces, skin, flowers, trees, I find it all to be beautiful. End of quote. Well, Pierre Paul was surprised by the beauty of what he saw. And now Mark is trying to open our eyes to see the beauty of how the kingdom of God actually grows and how it actually works. See, the kingdom of God is growing, but it's often hard to see. And so we need our eyes opened um, so that we can see. And this morning, that is what Mark is trying to do. Once again, this morning, um, we're going to have two parables or two stories that are spoken in secret um, that are making the same point. And here is the main point of the message this morning and the main point of the two parables. The kingdom of God does not grow by human power, and it cannot be stopped. Uh, here's the big idea again. The kingdom of God does not grow by human power, and it cannot be stopped. You see, most people cannot see this truth. They believe that the kingdom of God grows by effort and by what they do, and sometimes that causes them to lose hope. And they think if the gospel isn't going forward, um, then we're wrong. We've done something wrong. Um, but we actually are wrong in our thinking. Although we cannot see the fruit right now, that the kingdom of God is growing, and nothing can stop the advancement of the kingdom of God. 
So Mark is concluding the kingdom Jesus is teaching in parables with these two parables about the kingdom of God and a summary of the purpose of parables. The first parable, the parable of the growing seed, is in verses 26 through 29. It is unique to Mark and it's not found in any other gospel. Uh, the second parable is the parable of the mustard seed, um, verses 30 through 32, and that's found in Matthew and Luke as well. And it focuses on how the kingdom of God began small, but it will yield amazing results. And then this section will end with a summary of the purpose of, the, of parables in verses 33 through 34. So both parables repeat the image of a, of a person sowing, and both parables are stories of surprise. And as you listen to these parables, they are meant to open your blind eyes to see, to see something that you previously couldn't. The kingdom of God does not grow by human power, and it cannot be stopped no matter what happens. In the end, the kingdom of God will triumph in spite of its humble beginnings. That's what Mark is trying to get you to see. See, one would never have imagined that the kingdom of God would have began this way. The disciples, the Jewish people, did not think that the kingdom of God would, the kingdom of God would start this way, humble and small and servant-like, filled with opposition and enemies, people trying to arrest Jesus and trying to kill him. And likewise, just as they didn't expect that, they will not expect the ending either. In the end, the kingdom of God will grow and expand and triumph over all things. And so strap in and get ready as we look at these two parables of the growing seed and the parable of the mustard seed, um, so we too can have our eyes opened and encouraged by the truth. Once again, the big idea is this, the kingdom of God does not grow by human power, and it cannot be stopped. The kingdom of God does not grow by human power, and it cannot be stopped. So let us begin by looking at parable number one, the parable of the growing seed. Look at verses 26 through 29. The kingdom of God is like this, he said. A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and he rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, and then the full grain of, on the head. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends forth the sickle because the harvest has come. Well, think about this for a minute. This is, not, this is not what anybody would have expected. We would not have expected God or Jesus, who is God, to compare the kingdom of God to a seed. Uh, we, would have compared, we would have expected him to compare it to something more grand and glorious, like the height and majesty of the mountains or the depth and the power of the sea. But instead, Jesus compares it to a seed. A seed. The mystery of the parable is already drawing the listeners in. This is not what they would have expected. They are blind to this. They would have never seen this coming. You see, the mystery of the saving gospel indeed is not what we would have expected. We would not have expected God to put on human flesh and live in such a humble life and to be without a home to be homeless. And we would not have expected him to endure persecution from the reigning religious leaders. No, we, we would have expected him to come with might and power, causing all to bow before him. But instead, Jesus has come as a seed in humility in the commonplaces. And what he is revealing is God will not be kept at arm's length. Instead, he is drawing near to us. And Jesus does not tell us how high or how distant God is. Instead, he reveals this truth. God is very near and he's very present. And he reveals that to us by showing us the normal routines of planting and harvesting. And he shows us that these are clues into the nature of the kingdom of God. This is not what we would have expected. So what is the kingdom of God like, Jesus? What, what should we expect? Well, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to the process of growth. It starts small, but it grows. It does not have a spectacular beginning, nor does it attract attention in the growth phase, but it does grow. See, what is really fascinating about both of these parables is the fact that the only human activity really is waiting. It's waiting. The only human activity is waiting, which will prove to be very difficult for us because we don't even like to wait in line at the grocery store. 
You see, notice the human activity in verse 27. The farmer waits. Look at verse 27. He sleeps and he rises night and day. He waits. And life goes on as it always has. Notice again the work of the farmer. He waits. He sleeps and he rises night and day. The only human activity in this story is waiting. And at the same time the farmer is waiting, there's another process at work. But it's completely independent of the farmer. You see, slowly, almost without being noticed, the seed sprouts. It grows. The seed has within itself the power to grow. Notice verse 27. He sleeps and he rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. The farmer doesn't know how this happened, but, he, but it is happening. He is blind to how it's happening. And let's continue on. Look at verse 28. The soil produces a crop by itself. The soil produces a crop by itself. First the blade, and then the head, and then the full grain of, of the head. So the soil produces a crop all by itself. You will need to circle the two words by itself in your Bibles because they are very important words. They are words of hope and promise and encouragement. Even though this farmer is absent, he has been sleeping and he has been waiting, um, and even though this farmer is ignorant, he doesn't know how it grows, but it does grow, the soil brings forth a crop all by itself. Now, normally I don't say Greek words behind the text because I'm not smart enough to do that, but in this case, I think it will make the point. The Greek word for by itself is automate. Um, as you can guess, that's where we get the Greek word, or the English word, automatic. And so after the seed is scattered, the farmer sleeps and he waits. And he sleeps and he waits and he rises, and the soil produces a crop automatically. The seed contains within itself the power of generation and an orderly process for growth. The only thing that the farmer did was spread the seed and wait. He is absent from the growth phase, and he is ignorant of how it actually happens. The kingdom of God will grow without any human power. You need to understand that. Um, the kingdom of God will grow without any human power. Man only needs to spread the seed and wait. And apart from scattering the seed and waiting, the only human activity in this parable is being confident that the harvest is coming. You see, the growth of the kingdom of God is compared to a, is, is a process that is strangely independent of human activity. The, the kingdom of God does not grow by human power. And so listen, disciples, you can see the, the, the disciples standing around Jesus right now, and they will need to know this. Even though the kingdom of God has started small and it has much hostility and opposition from the religious leaders, it will grow. They just need to wait. And so this parable was given to encourage the disciples. Growth is coming. Just wait. It doesn't matter what's going on around you or around them. As much trouble and hostility that is around you, the kingdom of God will grow. And so likewise, this parable was given to you. Perhaps you were dealing with a, a straying child. And you are working hard to make sure the gospel seeds take root in their life. Well, let this parable encourage you and give you instruction. You are to scatter, you are to pray, and you are to wait. The kingdom of God will go forward. We just need to wait. But often waiting is the hardest part because we aren't sure what's happening under the soil. And so we dig and we pry and we stress and we get filled with anxiety. Just wait. Trust the gospel seed that has been planted and wait. Well, perhaps um, you have heard or, or perhaps you've shared the gospel with someone at work and, and they just aren't getting it. And, and so you just keep on scattering the seed and you just wait. The kingdom of God will grow without any human effort or power. You cannot force someone to become a Christian. You just need to scatter the seed and wait. And, and notice what comes next. Look at verse 29. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends forth the sickle because the harvest has come. You see, putting forth the, um, the, the sickle for the harvest is often a symbol of the arrival of God's kingdom and judgment. Joel 4, verse 13, make this clear. Revelation chapter 14, 14 through 16, make that clear. Listen, he will not, he will not harvest until the crop is ready. And so we're just to wait. We scatter the seed and we wait. Disciples, we scatter and we wait. 
So let's step a little bit closer into the context to see what Jesus is saying right now. You see, right now, as, the Jesus, as Jesus is sharing this parable, he has disciples who are with him that are zealots. Some of his own disciples are zealots, and they want to advance the kingdom of God by the edge of a sword. They are trying to force the kingdom of God into the world by revolution, and so they would, they would be tempted to advance the kingdom at the edge of a blade. And, and instead of scattering seed and waiting, um, um, they want to advance it by pushing it. And so Jesus is correcting them. And you see, church, some of us are zealots as well. Instead of us being a patient parent who waits um, on the kingdom of God to go forward in, in the lives of our children, we try to force it. You see, there's a difference in scattering seed and waiting and, and, and then trying to force the kingdom into someone's life. Notice how silly this would be for us to point a sword at a seed in the ground and command it to grow. This is not how God works. This is not how the kingdom of God works. And likewise, in a similar way, there are Pharisees around him who believe that the kingdom of God can be advanced by forcing religious observance into the lives of others. We too can be tempted to follow their pattern. This is especially dangerous in a fundamental Christian world where instead of scattering the gospel seeds and waiting, we judge others who are not behaving like us and we condemn them. And so notice how silly that would be, right? Imagine, um, imagine a seed planted in the ground and then us standing on top of it and yelling at it for not growing like the other seeds are growing. This is not how the kingdom of God works. We need to open our eyes. The kingdom of God does not grow um, with human effort. It grows on its own. We simply need to spread the seed and wait. The kingdom of God does not go forward by human power. See, Jesus in this parable is, is the patient farmer. He's the one. He's confident that the kingdom of God will grow. Even though at the present there is a resistance from the religious leaders and his own family, Jesus is not disheartened or desperate, and he will not change his tactics. He will scatter, and he will wait. The faith that Jesus requires of his disciples right now is to scatter, sleep, wait, and rise in confidence that the seed of the gospel will invade the world and grow all by itself. Without a crusade, without a revolution, without forcing strict religious observance on anyone, instead the kingdom of God will invade the world like a seed. So in confidence, let us scatter the seed and wait. It may not look like much is happening right now, but under the ground things are happening and we need to see this. So let us now turn our attention to the parable of the mustard seed in verses 30 through 32 as we begin to discover that the kingdom of God will not be stopped no matter what. Look at verses 30 through 32. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable can we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed when sown upon the soil is the smallest of all seeds on the ground. And when sown, it comes up, it grows, it comes up and grows taller than all the garden plants and produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. The parable of the mustard seed also appears in Matthew chapter 13, 31 through 32 and Luke chapter 13, 18 through 19. And so again, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to sowing seeds. The parable of the mustard seed has a similar meaning to the parable of the growing seed. But instead of focusing on growth without human power, it is a parable of contrast, proving that nothing can stop it. You see, Jesus is using something that seems weak, a mustard seed, but he's showing how it will actually be the strongest of all garden plants. It's unstoppable. You see, the mustard seed, which is an annual, brings forth new life each spring. Um, the seed is considered microscopic, um, but it actually produces the large shrub that even the birds can nest in. You see, being the good storyteller that Jesus is, Jesus uses a microscopic mustard seed as an illustration for the kingdom of God. Just like the preceding parable, the parable of the growing seed, which is focused on growth without human effort, um, likewise, the beginning of the kingdom of God is not something humanity brings about either, which is why growth is guaranteed, right? It's not dependent upon us. The greater point here, though, is the kingdom of God arises from something that is microscopic, um, something that seems to be insignificant. Listen to this. A homeless man, 
Jesus, who was brought up not in the religious systems of Jerusalem, instead he was brought up in Nazareth, um, and he is, his own family is trying to stop him. The religious leaders are, in Jerusalem are trying to kill him, but that won't work. That will not stop the kingdom of God from growing. It is the strongest seed planted. No one would have been able to see this coming. The outsider, Jesus, is the mustard seed. And when the gospel of Jesus is planted, it will grow and nothing can stop it. Right now, the disciples in the text are starting to doubt that. And they need to be reassured that nothing will stop the, the kingdom of God from going forward. Not even the religious leaders, not even Jesus' own family. But just like the previous parable, um, parables, this parable is drawing us in to measure us. Remember, parables are meant to measure us. When a parable is given, it forces the listener to decide where he belongs in the story. Do you believe that the kingdom of God, although it may seem small right now, is one day going to encompass all things? You see, small, obscure beginnings, troubled beginnings can be very discouraging. But the ending will shock everyone. You see, the seed is planted. He waits, and, and, and one day, one day, everything will change. That which appears to be the smallest, the weakest, and had the most trouble at the beginning will prove to be the strongest seed in the world. The kingdom of God was revealed in Jesus, small and humble and in opposition with many enemies, but it will end with might and power and glory, and the world will bow before him. His disciples, no doubt, were worried about how this would all end up. You see, they put their faith in Jesus to follow him as the rabbi, and now, he, and now his family is trying to seize him, and the religious leaders are trying to kill him. And so just like this, like all parables, this parable is given in a moment of opposition. You see, Jesus is being opposed by the religious leaders. He is on the outside. He's coming from the small, and his family is trying to stop him. And so his disciples are beginning to lose heart. And so this parable is given to encourage them. Although Jesus, right now, following him seems to be a waste of time, it is not. Although the kingdom of God started small, and it, it, it is not a welcomed, it will, it will overfill everything and it will encompass everything. He is drawn near to us now in humility as the seed. But once the gospel is fully grown, it will be too late and it will stand over all things. The harvest will be ready at that point. And see now, this, this parable actually has another secret that may shock you. If you have ears to listen, let me remind you to listen. You see, this parable, although not written to us, it was written to the original audience of Mark, it is for us. You see, just like all of Scripture, though we are not the original audience, the Word of God is for us. The Word of God is living and active, and it cuts through all generations. Notice that all the parables are given in a time of opposition. You need to understand what's going on. Notice the growth process here. Uh, whenever Jesus arrived, the kingdom of God invaded the world. And since then, it has continued to grow for 2,000 years, and it has continued to grow now. Um, but that growth has allowed somebody else to join. Right, the birds of the sky are making their nests. Look at the ver look at the end of verse uh, thirty-two. So the birds of the sky can nest in its what? In its what? Say it. In its shade. Look at the end of verse thirty-two. That's a very interesting way to put it. So that the birds of the sky can rest in its shade. See, the Old Testament prophets would occasionally use image of birds nesting in branches, not shade, in branches as a way to allude to the inclusion of the Gentiles as God's chosen people. We get that from Psalm chapter 104, verse 12, Ezekiel 17, verse 23, and Daniel chapter 4, verses 9 through 21. But they all say the birds will be nesting in the trees or the branches. Even the other Gospels do the same thing. In Matthew chapter 13 and in Luke chapter 13, they say the birds of the sky will nest in the branches. But Mark is doing something different here. 
See, Mark's reference to the bird, the birds resting in the shade is supposed to catch your eye. It's supposed to open your eyes. It's supposed to shock you. See, I think we need to examine the content in our context and look a little bit deeper into verse 32 to actually see what's going on. You see, I think if we can understand, if we don't understand the immediate context, um, then we're not going to understand the surrounding context and we're not going to understand who these birds actually are. Like, and when you discover this and, and when you discover um, who these birds are, it will shock you. Right, Mark is as an action-packed gospel that's full of shock and awe, and so you need to see this. This is what he's trying to say. One day, as the kingdom of God continues to grow, there will be outsiders who will pretend to be insiders. As the kingdom of God continues to grow, and and, and they will be, and then the kingdom of God will be under attack. Right now, just as it is by the religious leaders, it will be under attack in the future. Satan is going to change his tactics. If you have ears to hear, you need to listen. You see, Mark is a collection of par- Mark chapter four is a collection of parables that is meant to divide the insiders from the outsiders. Mark chapter four, the collection of parables in Mark chapter four were given to you to help you understand who the insiders and outsiders are. It begins with four types of soils. There are three bad soils and there's one good soil. And then apparently we now see the good soil in Mark chapter 4 verses 26 through 29, right? It is the soil that will produce um, fruit automatically. But then there's one of the bad soils, um, the, the, which is the word that was sown on the path. And when they hear the word of God, immediately the birds come and they devour it. Look back to, at Mark chapter 4, verse 4. This should begin to shock you. In Mark chapter 4, verse 4, it says this. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And then le- later, Jesus tells the insiders who the birds are in Mark chapter 4, verse 15. Listen to these words. Some are like the words sown on the path. When they hear the word, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. The birds were Satan. And he has come and he has stolen away the, the, the seed from soil number one. He who has ears to hear needs to listen to this. You see, Jesus goes on to explain that these three bad soils are, are uh, these bad soils are in Mark chapter 4 at the end of verse uh, 24 and on. Don't listen. These, these are the ones who don't pay attention to the word of God. They don't listen. It goes in one ear and out the other. And one of those words that is taken away is, is taken away by the birds. And the birds are Satan. And so because of their lack of diligence in listening to what they hear, they lose everything. And then we find out that the good soil um, is later described in Mark chapter 4. We've already looked at it, 26 to 29. This good soil will go on to produce fruit automatically. Good, good gospel seeds are sown and scattered on it. It breaks through the ground, and by grace, the soil produces automatically as we listen and we wait. And then we get to the parable of the mustard seed. Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of God, was small, but it grew, and as it grew, the birds came and made their nests. Where? In the shade, waiting to snatch the word of God away from the path. He who has ears to hear needs to listen. When you learn to take what you already know, about the surrounding context and you apply those clues to the text that you are examining, the once black and white story that was hard to understand gets brought to color. You see, the birds in this context are the devils or the satans or or the demons, and they will one day make their nest in the shade of the church or the kingdom of God. Notice that their nest is not in the tree, it's in the shade. That's an interesting choice of words, Jesus. Why not just say they made their nest in the tree? Because they didn't. Because these birds here that he's talking about are the opposing religious leaders, and they have made their nest in the, tr- in the shade of the tree. You see, Mark is making a different point here. As the kingdom of God grows, evil will hide in its shade waiting to steal the word of God away from you. See, outsiders will come in and they will pretend to be insiders and they will wait until the word of God hits you and then they'll steal it away. You need to have your eyes open. You need to expect this. You need to see it coming. Once again, he is trying to warn his disciples that Judas is among them. 
The devil is among them. He is in their shadows. The word shade here means, literally means, a shade cast by an object with a clearly perceived boundary. Jesus is not saying in Mark chapter 4, verse 32, that the birds are making their nest in the tree. He's saying they're making their nest in the shadow. Uh, the, the word shadow here is the same word used in, in Acts chapter 5, verse 15. And whenever Peter cast his shadow on people, it says, As a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that Peter, as he came by, at least his shadow might fall on them. The crowds were not wanting Peter to fall on them. They were wanting his shadow to fall on him. Right, for their, see, like, like verse 34 uh, verse 32, I'm sorry, verse 32 is a, is, a, is a verse that cuts a line between insiders and outsiders. Jesus is using this parable to warn you. As the kingdom of God grows, Satan will draw near and he will be in the shade or in the shadows. He will be very close. He will stand ready to take the word of God away from the inside out. If you have ears to hear, you need to listen. As the kingdom of God grows and expands, the birds of the air will draw near and try to steal away what is sown. Church, be very careful. Be students of the Word of God. As you listen, listen with diligence and pay attention. You should now be getting to see the link between Mark chapter 4, um, verses 1 through um, 34, all the way through. You need to listen with diligence. The birds are here. You see, Satan has already been at work trying to steal the Word of God away from his disciples um, through the religious leaders. And now he will hide himself in the shadow of the kingdom of God. And so the opposition will no longer come from the outside, from his family and the religious leaders. It will actually come from the inside. When outsiders are pretending to be insiders like Judas, the devil wants to fit in. He wants to hide. He doesn't want you to see him. He wants to be in the shadows, ready to steal the word of God away. Disciples, listen. If this did not make the context clear, then the reference to the birds of the sky, you need to circle the word sky here, should make it clear. The, the word sky in the original language was a word that was used to describe the region above the earth beyond where the birds fly. It is the place where the stars are. It is the place where God and the angels are. The word sky almost always is translated as the heavens. These birds that are making their nest in the shade are in the heavens. They are the angels, the fallen angels. They, if, you, if you were listening, if, if you were being given a very clear warning by Jesus that as the kingdom of God grows and expands, so will the tactics of the enemy. Those, the, there will be demons who will live in the shade of the kingdom of God, and they will try to steal the word of God away in a real way. Listen, Judas, Judas is an outsider who's pretending to be an insider, and he's trying to take the word of God away and their faith away just as it's hitting the ground. See, everyone thought that Judas was an insider, but he was actually an outsider, and you need to listen. Jesus is trying to open their eyes to show them what happened and to warn them. You see, the disciples are to have hope. But see, this is actually a message of hope, right? The disciples are to have hope. When the kingdom of God grows, the enemy will draw close. And, and so this will actually be a sign that the kingdom of God is growing and advancing and that nothing can stop it, even those outsiders who are pretending to be insiders. How are we to know that the kingdom of God is growing when there is trouble near? Yeah, that's right. How are we to know when the kingdom of God is growing? Well, whenever there's trouble near to us in the shade, we know that the enemy is attacking us and we know that we are growing. Whenever there are outsiders pretending to be insiders, we are growing. Do you ever wonder why Christian leaders fall into deep moral sin like adultery and sexual abuse and embezzlement? You see, an outsider has pretended to be an insider, and as a result, Satan is using church leadership to try to snatch the Word of God away. Or have you ever met a Christian who is really an outsider pretending to be an insider, like they come to church, but away from church, they are building, away from the church building, they're just nasty people, like nasty, and, and when others see them at work, it turns them away from the church? 
You see, sometimes, and that is why people say, I can never follow Jesus because his followers are doing evil things. Well, actually, just like Judas, there are outsiders who are pretending to be insiders and those people are doing evil things. If you have ears to hear, you need to listen. We can, we can actually have hope when there's evil going on around us because we should see it as a way to know that the kingdom of God is growing because as, as the kingdom of God grows and advances, so do the birds. We know the kingdom of God, listen church, we know the kingdom of God is advancing because of outsiders like Kenneth Copeland and Creflo Dollar and Benny Hinn and Joyce Meyer. They are all pretending to be insiders and they are hiding in our shadows. As this parable was given um, to the disciples for wisdom and encouragement, it needs to be given to us for wisdom and encouragement as well. As the kingdom grows, the birds will come. And Jesus is encouraging us. Listen, nothing will stop the kingdom from advancing. Even the birds, even Judas, even Satan. We will win. We will win. You see, in closing, Mark concludes the teaching, um, the teaching parables of Jesus with a reminder and an explanation of the purpose and of parables in Mark chapter 4, 10 through 12. Look with me. He was speaking the word to them with many parables like these, as they were able to understand. He did not speak to them without a parable. Privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. You see, um, the parables that are given in Mark chapter 4 uh, emphasize the importance of hearing, but not any kind of hearing. A hearing. This kind of hearing should lead to trusting in what you hear. We need to trust in the truth of the gospel. You see, hearing determines if you're an insider or an outsider. Hearing is the all-important first step that leads to fellowship with Jesus. Only those who hear are the ones who meet with him alone, and then he explains everything to them. Look at the end of verse 34. Privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. Parables were the public teaching of Jesus. They were given to all, but only the meaning was given to the insiders. And so, church, let's try to be the insiders. Let's try to apply this as disciples. The kingdom of God is advancing, but it will never make the headlines. But outsiders pretending to be insiders will make the headlines. You see, God's kingdom is advancing in ways that we don't see. These parables were given to you to emphasize the hiddenness of God's kingdom. It's hard to see. It's hard to see what's actually going on beneath the soil. It requires listening and spiritual discernment. You see, the mystery of how God accomplishes his purposes in the world is silent and mysterious. How will God bring your straying child into deep fellowship with him? That's a mystery. How will God bring the family, like a broken family, into a deeper faith with him after losing a child? How will God take a broken marriage and use that as the soil to change a family generation after generation after generation? How will God use a difficult boss at work as a fertilizer to make your faith stronger? You see, the early disciples would soon find themselves under attack, especially after the death of Jesus, when things would go from bad to worse, and their own lives would be required of them. If they were going to survive, they would need their eyes open. They would need to see what the kingdom of God is really doing. They would need to see that even though there's much opposition, the kingdom of God is growing without human power, and it cannot be stopped. These truths would be given um, give them confidence to keep on scattering the seed, even when the birds are hiding in their shades, in the shadows, and even when the devils are attacking them. These parables were given to instill confidence instead of despair. These parables um, make it clear church, this is so good. Success does not depend on human effort. And at the same time, we're not encouraged to be lazy, right? You're encouraged to listen with diligence and scatter and wait. But above all, these parables encourage a patient faith. And this is hard. In a culture of instant gratification, we get frustrated when our Amazon Prime doesn't arrive in two days. We must learn to be patient. 
The kingdom of God will grow and it cannot be stopped, and we must learn to allow the seed to do its work. We must allow the seed to fall on those straying away, all the seed that we can give them. We just need to let the seed fall and then patiently wait and let the seed do the work of conversion. So how do we know, this is how we're going to end, how do we know if you're not patient? Quick test, are you filled with anxiety? Are you filled with anxiety? This is the only point of application. How do you know that you're not seeing the kingdom of God the way you should? Then you are filled with anxiety. You see, anxiety is the smoke detector that warns the soul. Church, we need to stop trying to be in control. The kingdom of God will go forward without human effort, and nothing can stop it. We must scatter the seed and wait. If you are filled with anxiety, I would just ask you to look at these parables and be encouraged. In these parables, Mark has been trying to get you to open your eyes to see the truth. The kingdom of God will go forward without human effort, and it cannot be stopped. So stop worrying about it. Thank you for listening to this message. If you would like to know more about Jesus, the gospel, discipleship, or Disciples Church, you can contact me at ChristopherHogue at Yahoo.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-H-O-G-U-E at Yahoo.com. Church, we have been sent into the world to make disciples. Let's go make disciples.